some of those first projects in the documentary arena that we we started working on were about NASA's Apollo program, about the training of the Apollo astronauts, about the Saturn V rocket, our love for space, and I guess space fact and science fiction came together. Yeah, we wanted to take some of those things that we'd we'd learned and been inspired by on those documentaries, you know, some of the footage that we'd seen of so, so cool, so inspiring, uh, incredible minds, and, and, and lots of young minds as well, which was always an amazing thing that we we were um, very inspired by to see these 24, 25 year olds um, with such responsibility uh, on uh, during this incredible moment in history. So yeah, Cosmos was our attempt to pull some of that excitement that we'd seen um, from that from that world of the Apollo program and, and put it into a movie where the engineers and the scientists are front and center. Welcome to Today in Space. Today, we're talking about space, the final frontier. This is is what gives us the passion to have this podcast. It gives us the passion to explore the infinite expanse. And, you know, the cool thing about space is is it introduces us to these big questions. You know, how do we make sense of all this infinity that's in front of us that we can't even fathom? Uh, What what does it do to inspire us to the next step? And it, it brings us to that big question, existential question of why. Why are we here? Um, not that I expect our guests to have all of the answers here, but they are definitely, definitely uh, on on that path of inspiring people with storytelling. And thanks to our friends over at the Scene, scene Snobs with uh, McManhattan, they introduced us to Elliot and Xander of Eliander Pictures. And we, we watched, I was able to at home during this pandemic when we really just needed something to sit down and enjoy and, 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 and really just sit back and relax and watch a, a story unfold in front of us, uh, I was introduced to the movie Cosmos, uh, which came out in 2018. Uh, so we have Elliot and Xander, we were both on today. Gentlemen, thank you both for being on. No, thank you very much for having us. It's an absolute pleasure to to be here. I'm looking forward to talking all things space. We definitely don't have all the answers, but we can try. Spoilers, we don't know the answers to the universe. Damn. (laughs) Damn. Well, we'll try anyways. We'll We'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, what what you guys did with Cosmos, uh, just from a pure story telling standpoint i mean you for me uh, i'll give you guys a quick uh, first of all if you guys haven't seen it uh it's on amazon right now where where else can can folks find that right now uh in the states that you can find it on uh, hulu and tubi uh, amazon streaming uh, there's a load of different places actually it's available worldwide as well so if you go to um cosmosmovieofficial.com there's a little menu there and it will show you wherever you are you can check it out perfect um, and it, so I highly recommend it. Uh, I don't expect to do any spoilers, but I guess we might as well say, say that up front. If you, if you want to watch it, please pause, watch it, and then come back to this. It's here when you need to get to it. Uh, in the meantime, guys, tell, tell us a little bit about what got you into this. And, um, you know, the cool thing I was seeing when I was, I checked out your website, uh, uh was you guys really started in kind of the documentary kind of standpoint. And, and one of your first, if I'm not mistaken, was about the space program. And you have so much on there that's that's not only about the facts and the history of what happened. And then with Cosmos, you took that and, and created a story behind it that's relevant to today. Tell, tell me a little bit about that and where you guys started from. 
Absolutely. That is that is our journey. So um, <clears throat> as brothers, we used to make little films together. Uh, you know, when we were at school, we made our first little film together with our parents' home video camera and, and fell in love with filmmaking and films at a very early age. You know, we were very into Star Wars when Star Wars was released in 97. We were there watching the special editions and then we were there for the prequels. And I think Star Wars was probably our first uh big introduction to sort of sci-fi storytelling and space in in movies um and then when we grew up we did stuff at high school we started to do little documentaries instead of projects and and when it came to leaving high school we both knew that we wanted to pursue a career in filmmaking and in film directing and so we both left school we didn't go to university we didn't go to film school we just jumped in to the industry started as um production runners and slowly worked our way up the ranks and then after being out of school for a while started to make our own content because that's where our heart was always you know uh, led us and some of those first projects in the documentary arena that we we started working on were about NASA's Apollo program about the training of the Apollo astronauts about the Saturn V rocket and uh, yeah so our love for space and um and I guess space fact and science fiction came together in Cosmos, wanting to take a story um, about astronomers and, you know, set, try and ground it in reality, but tell this hopeful, fantastic story. Yeah, we wanted to take some of those things that we'd, we'd learned and been inspired by on those documentaries, you know, some of the footage that we'd seen of, of uh, you know, the NASA engineers and the ground control and flight control teams and everything. So, so cool. So inspiring. Uh, incredible minds and, and, and lots of young minds as well, which was always an amazing thing that we we were um, very inspired by to see these 24, 25 year olds um, with such responsibility uh, on uh, during this incredible moment in history. So, yeah, Cosmos was our attempt to pull some of that excitement that we'd seen um, from that from that world of the Apollo program and, and put it into a movie where the engineers and the scientists are front and center. And, and I, that's so amazing you guys said that because what I've seen with science fiction is is it kind of seems to plant the seed for so many people. Um, I know I know it did for me. I mean, Star Wars it was a big thing for me. I also grew up on Star Trek, so um, I grew up with Patrick Stewart and and Next Generation. So I mean that that whole thing really captured I think what is the core of why I got to go to school for aerospace engineering and and what got you guys into you know developing content and and, and telling stories about it um tell tell me a little bit more about the 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 journey with cosmos specifically and 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 give people the the background of of how that came to be because it's your first feature film right you guys had short films documentaries and then the this first feature film yeah that's that's correct um we after we left school in parallel with freelance work and and kind of building our way up the ranks of uh that world really we were continuing to develop our own uh, narrative stories so we always always our heart has always been set on directing feature films and so we left school and we immediately started writing a script for a film called Encounter um, and we spent the next couple of years putting together a business plan and bringing together a team and we had incredible people on board incredible crew we had the visual effects company that did the work for Inception and it was kind of nuts it, it really snowballed into this very exciting project and we were I was 19 at the time right um, but when it came to 
talking to investors and saying, you know, we need a multi-million pound budget here to make this movie. <laughs> Understandably, their response was, well, you know, you guys, you've done shorts and you've done documentaries and music videos, but you've never made a movie. So this is a bit of a jump. You're, you're young, go out, make a movie, prove you can make a movie and come back, which is, you know, a bit of a catch-22 situation. Yeah, we're trying to make a film. We need your help to make a film. Uh, but you're telling us to go and make a film. It's so confusing. Um, but it makes, I guess it makes sense. I understand, you know, it's a big risk and everything. So Cosmos was our attempt to uh, put Encounter on the shelf and write something that we felt that we could achieve with very minimal resources, with the equipment that we built up through freelancing um, and minimal cast and, and a few locations. And, and the goal was to create a movie that we could slide across the desk to potential future producers and investors and say, look, we made this. Here's the proof we can we can do it. Um, and that formed the whole um, kind of workflow around the movie, really. So Cosmos was a, a total no budget production. <laughs> there was also an element of impatience involved as well, where we were we'd spent two or three years trying to build Encounter up and we were speaking to people and we felt so close. But we we kept finding ourselves in boardrooms and meetings and, and really realizing that the business side of the film industry, which is essential, obviously, it's, it is an entertainment industry, but that business element was standing between us and our passion for storytelling. Like we were just yearning to make a film. That was where our heart was. And the businessmen were more worried about, rightly so, more worried about how you can make money out of filmmaking. Um, so there was also an element of just going, you know, a bit of a table flip and going, sod this, you know, I just want to make, I just, <coughs> I just want to make a film. So let's get rid of all the reasons why we need other people yeah. and all the permissions and all the, or everything that comes with that. And let's just write a film that we can kind of just do ourselves and we don't need to turn and ask for permission from anyone any, any longer. And we can just finally get on with it. So. I, I cannot relate any more to that. I mean, that's the reason this podcast exists is because, uh, you know, having to go through so many, uh, so, you know, I work as an engineer during the day and I do this on the side because this is my outlet. This is this is really why I got I went to school for aerospace engineering is to talk about space and talk about what I think is exciting. But there there was no job. There was no, you know, uh, and even so, you're going to be working in a lab. You're going to be doing paperwork. The thi and this is the problem with a lot of people in the STEM fields, too, that they, they have this idea of what it is, but they want to do science. And there's so much of the business that has to be there. Yeah that gets in the way. And I, I think what's really cool, um, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of the things I had to learn with podcasting was all the different aspects, right? Filming the video, getting the lighting right, getting the audio right, um, you know, getting all those little tiny things that make it happen, writing, scripting, mapping out ideas. I, it sounds like you guys had that experience, whether you, you wanted to or not, of going through the ranks, kind of doing every job up until that point. And then you guys finally said, well, all right, let's let's figure it out. Yeah, very much so. It, it, we'd, we'd spent several years doing several different disciplines within the industry. You know, we were assistants, we were editors, we worked our way up to cameramen. Um, and when we had put together these documentaries, which we'd done, we'd done completely independently and speculatively, We'd written the scripts and we'd cut the shows and we'd shot the interviews and all of this. We've done the sound mix and everything. And so when it came to it and we, we'd faced this problem of, well, you know, people aren't going to trust us until we've made a movie. We just thought, let's make this as achievable as possible. Uh, we know we can kind of take the helm on this. If we keep it simple, 
we should be able to handle it. Uh, and that was that was the goal. It, it took us a lot longer than we thought it would. Because uh, <laughs> naturally, when you're doing it on your own, uh, everything takes a lot longer. Um, and money so, is nice. Money is Yeah, yeah. exactly. Money is wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a, not a bad thing at all. So uh, it help, certainly helps the, get the wheels moving. Um, but yeah, we on Cosmos, we did almost everything. So our crew... Uh, when filming was was three people that's Elliot myself and our mom uh, in post our cast is three people our post-production team was just myself and Elliot and then for three months of the post-production we worked with our composer Chris Davey um, but that's it it's, it was a tiny tiny team behind this film but it was it's mad but we're very proud of it I you guys should be I mean honestly like I I was thinking today so um, one of the things I have to balance as an engineer is getting too technical. So what I did before this was I was actually listening to John Williams. I was listening to big orchestral scores because I need to get out of that. I need to get out of that mindset and into this kind of big picture uh, thinking. And like you guys definitely captured with, with your what you guys did with the budget that you had. You guys were able to keep the story there. And then add all the magic that comes behind the story. Like I was thinking Back to the Future. I was thinking I was thinking Harry Potter. I was thinking Star Wars. I was thinking you know all of those, those big storytelling things. And what you guys captured with all of all of the stuff you didn't have, uh, and that the story was really there and profound. I mean, I, it was it was such a joy to sit down and watch that movie. Wow! Wow! I mean, thank you. <clears> that's such a compliment. Enormous compliment. My it really is. <laughs> I mean, that that there are different types of filmmakers. You know, I guess like there are different types of of, of many different professions and some filmmakers um you know they're interested in sort of well I, I guess actually as filmmakers we're interested in lots of stories but particularly with this film we wanted to write make a love letter to the movies that inspired us to to be filmmakers so it, it is very hopeful it is very optimistic it is family friendly hopefully it is inspiring and we're we get we're blown away because every now and then re quite regularly actually will receive emails from parents who go, I showed my son or I showed my daughter Cosmos. First of all, thanks for making a family friendly movie with, you know, that I can share with my young kids. But they want me to buy them a telescope now and <laughs> we want we're looking at the stars and we're sitting there going, Oh wow, this is this is we used to sit there and say, if we can when it was you know, when it was really hard and we had our heads in our hands on these late nights going, Is this film ever gonna end? We used to say and there were many <laughs> We love it. There were many of those. <clears throat> that that we'd say like if one if just like one young person watches this movie and goes you know, turns it off and goes out outside at night and looks up at the stars perhaps for the first time, then then we will have achieved our goal so to hear that you feel the movie has that that magic to it that that means the world because that's what we were aiming for and that's what we were hoping for and, and to hear that you felt at least for you it had that it's that's mission accomplished yeah yeah it was, it was me me and my girlfriend sarah we were sitting down and we both were just glued to our seats like i can't i can't say enough good about it oh, thank um, you so much of course um you know one of the things for me that you know because i was already influenced early on by by the stuff to get me into my job but there's something in the story that you guys captured on the character levels i guess could, could you mind giving a, a, a brief um overview of of the cast and kind of what their story is so i yeah because i'd love to touch more on that sure well um just as a, i guess as an overview of the movie initially um, I'll just explain a little bit about what Cosmos is about, just to, so people have context. It, it's it's effectively the story of um, 
three aerospace engineers who by day work on satellites and work in the aerospace industry and by night they have an astronomy club so they by night they become amateur astronomers and they kit out uh, their car their station wagon with all sorts of stargazing equipment telescopes and radios and they drive out into the night and they sit under the stars and, and do their thing um, and on the one night that we joined them, they believe that they stumble across a signal from outer space, signal from a potential alien civilization. And the story is just about that experience. Um, we say we often say that we've seen that kind of moment told from the perspective of big organizations like NASA or SETI. But it, it's kind of cool to just imagine what it might be like if it just occurred, if, if three ordinary people who were just doing something they love, came across something that could potentially change everything we know. So in there, in terms of the characters, we have three characters and they, like I said, they all come from engineering or scientific backgrounds. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, our goal was to try to make those types of characters the heroes, because often in movies you'll get the scientists and they'll They'll play second fiddle to the, you know, James. But there's James Bond and there's Q, or the, you know, the, it's Armageddon and they'll go and blow up the asteroid. But there's some nerdy scientist somewhere who's like telling them the details, right? They don't get the spotlight. So we thought, could we make a movie where actually we show how incredible actually um, those that world is and how um, proficient these people are and how level-headed they can be under pressure and and try and make them the heroes of the story. That was our goal, really, because we, we were just inspired by that NASA Apollo program and, and everything we saw. It, it came from, we did a documentary about Apollo 13, and we we uh, spent a lot of time listening to the mission audio, the ground control audio, and we were blown away by, you know, they're all they're all very proficient at what they do, but they're, they're really enjoying what they do. You know, there's a lot of banter, and there's a lot of toing and froing between mission control and the astronauts. But then as soon as the crisis hit, the ground control teams just descended into almost this militaristic proficiency and we also had the good fortune of interviewing some people who were on the teams in, at that time and we just thought wow these guys were very cool and very uh, there was no messing around they knew what their jobs were and they did it well and so our hope was that we've got these characters and they love what they do but then when they think they're onto something they descend into sort of this protocol of actually we're really good at what we do and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to chase this down. So yeah, we, we can do this. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, exactly. yeah. No, I mean, and that, that, so that movie Apollo 13 and the mission Apollo 13, like that was a big thing for me too. That, that scene mm. where they dumped the buck, the box of stuff. Oh yeah. And uh, I mean that one scene when they all at the end grab that, that was it. That once that was it. And I saw that, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. Oh wow. um, really? That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a in, absolutely. That movie's, Perfect, well, the movie's fantastic, yeah, and the real life, obviously, the real life story of Apollo thirteen is just remarkable, and 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 even now, you know, you're watching SpaceX launches or you're watching NASA launches, and you're listening to the flight control and the ground control team. It's just cool. I just think it's so cool. I love it. The world, whole world of it is just uh, space and and uh, space exploration. It just continues to inspire. I just I never get bored. So I, I guess just real quick, let's touch on SpaceX. What are you guys seeing from that? What 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 are you hopeful for? What they're doing, or or do you have anything any complaints with them as well? Well, I think for the most part, very excited because um, I think the notion that 
you know, commercial industry takes over this kind of low Earth orbit approach and it means NASA can then get back to, you know, what they were doing during the Apollo program, which is really pushing the envelope out into into deeper territories is very exciting. And I, I, I find it, we, we regularly <laughs> watch the launches live. Uh, you know, we watched the manned uh, flight of the capsule recently and that was just incredible and cannot resist a good countdown and, and enjoying all of that. There has been, there's one thing in the astronomy community, you're probably aware of it anyway as well, um, which is the whole Starlink satellite issue, which is amazing to watch the train fly over. It's like an incredible experience, but also people are worried that the night sky could become quite polluted by, by this. Definitely satellite. in the UK, you guys, for whatever reason, are positioned under the kind of the longest period of exposure from Starlink. So I'm, I'm sure oh, there's, right. um, I'm sure there's some talk uh, over there yeah. of the yeah. good and the bad <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting isn't it it's a it's a fine line between you've got making progress and in, improving communications for the world and all this wonderful stuff but also not losing something that is very special to us to be able to look up and just see the stars and not not anything else really it's quite a wonderful thing absolutely i remember we did a <clears throat> we interviewed somebody for one of the documentaries but I don't think it was actually on camera I think we were just talking candidly and he was saying um a guy called Dr David Baker who's for anybody you know who wants to look him up he's a bit of a a, a hero of NASA um <laughs> but he said like if imagine how different our civilization would be if we lived on sort of a cloudy planet and that we never saw the stars if you think about all the horoscopes and all the stories of the gods and all the you know, the sort of the mathematics and everything. He said, like, looking up at the night sky for navigation and all sorts of things, it has truly defined our civilization. So I guess the prospect of potentially losing that night sky is the way we've always known it is, you know. What, what's your opinion on that? Sure. Well, thanks for asking. Um, so my, I'm kind of stuck between both worlds. And I think it's, uh, I think it's good and the people that are working on it, SpaceX is one of the only companies that could actually make a difference and a change while they're doing it. So like if, if they realize a different coding can minimize the, the effect, they will do that and they will do that as soon as they can. Um, light pollution is one of the big things. I mean, you know, I, my background is, I, my family comes from Greece. So obviously mythology is a big, big point of that. Um, so uh, the night sky and storytelling is, is it's one of the first big stories of all time I was looking up at the scar stars the stars and us making up kind of why why we exist yeah. um and, and what controls all the chaos that we have to deal with um starlink does two things it it inspires people like you were saying it's cool to see the the train go through and then everyone's yeah. googling what is that oh my god yeah, sure. and then they're yeah. like oh it's and so it like it gets their mind out yeah. but i totally like amateur astronomy could become of a more difficult thing than it already is, mm -hmm. which, which is definitely not good. Um, I, but the one thing that's given me hope is the comparison to, um, when phone lines got put in, when they had those phone lines running up and down the roads, people hated it. They, they thought it was the worst thing ever. It's ruining the view. It's ruining the landscape, but we, we have them and, and, you know, we are communicating. So, it's not to not to say that we should do it or that oh it's okay because of that, but it, we've seen it before. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm I think I'm in the same boat as you really. And also, who's to say that you know when you talk about phone lines and communication? Well, now we have we don't 
you know, we use satellites for communication. We have mobile phones rather than, uh, you know, hooked up to a landline for the most part. Um, who's to say that as time progresses and as things move forwards, there'll be different options. And, and like you said, if anyone's going to be able to make it work, it's, it's SpaceX. So I, 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 I genuinely over, overall have a wonderfully positive uh, view on it all just because of I can't imagine what it, it it's doing for kind of young people at the moment who are in schools and uh, and everything it's something to look up to and, and get excited uh, about and that that can't be a bad thing yeah and I'll definitely say that just the the other thing that it does is not only does it you know yeah they're putting them up there but it gives access to internet to mm -hmm. the whole globe potentially in places yeah. that couldn't have it because they can't get lines there so yeah, it's it's what is it's what is that for us, isn't it? It's easy for it us is. to go. Ah, oh, we don't need that. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, well, you've got the internet. <laughs> no, no, right. no. The, the cause is a noble one for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so going back to to Cosmos, uh, the dynamic, and I, I'm going to try really hard not to give anything away, <laughs> but the dynamic of like you guys, so I'm so happy that you said they were aerospace engineers because that that immediately for me, I was like, oh, this was my experience, like like having people that are working at the same company and then dealing with the things that happen at a company, like the business side and how that affects our life. And then how you, how as when you're in a job, and I'm sure you guys experienced this in filmmaking, which is what pushed you guys maybe to, to do it yourself. There's this, there's this torture that you go through when, when you've got this really, really clear vision, whether it's doing science, science or making movies, that you're like, man, if this just wasn't in the way, imagine where I would be. And, and even though there is that, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like a real, uh, like, a, like an old style comedy where it's like, okay, like it ends up being a good ending. And, you know, there is turmoil in, in the middle, you know, but yeah. it's, it's the fact that you, you end up getting there, you have to yeah. go through and that's, that's life, right? Like that's, Absolutely. that's the, the old concept. Um, I thought, and it's more of an observation than a question, but I, that to me was was so cool, and it's it's a like a buddy scientist movie, like like yeah. um, really, I I, I keep saying really That's great right. things about it, um, but I enjoyed that so much. That's great. We we do hear that a lot, and I think yeah, the goal was to um, to explore the connection that people have with what they do, and and particularly when they love what they do as well. Um, uh, with like you said, without giving much away, there are there are problems and conflicts between the characters based off their their work life, and um, and that that comes into it. And ultimately, it's a story about friendship and about how whether or not they can overcome that and and work together to 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 succeed. Really, um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. It's just it's it's great, it's particularly for someone uh, to hear it from somebody who's in industry. You know, to go like I connected with that, I related to that. Um, you know, we had, like you suggested, we've had similar experiences in what we do, but we're obviously projecting onto another industry going like, well, you know, I'd imagine these, these things were problems and this, this could cause conflict and stuff. So it's great to hear. So can I ask what, what was one of the things, was there, what pushed you guys to the edge of saying, I want to do this for real? Um, and, and I guess from getting out of high school and then when you finally decided to do it for yourself. Were there were there pinnacle moments? I think um, we we felt I don't I it, we were young actually when we kind of set our hearts on being film directors. Uh, I was probably about nine or ten, maybe even a bit younger. And when you're that young, you don't 
you don't really you're not aware of the obstacles that might stand in the way between <laughs> you know you look at people like steven spielberg who w- were my idol and still is my idol because uh i just love what his films represent and how his talent um when you're 10 years old you're just like well i could do that you know um <laughs> and 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 you pursue it but i think having fallen in love with it so young when you do get older and you do face the realities of the obstacles i think you can draw on that youthful love that you still have i think if i'd have been maybe 21 or 19 and gone oh i'd like to be a film director and then i started to get punched and started to have to go through the the trials and you know, trial by fire of life i might I might have been tempted to jump ship and gone, oh, there's got to be an easier way to earn a living. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we often say that. Just Why don't we just, just go and open a sweet shop, yeah. a candy store, you yeah. know, just have a nice, simpler life, sell sweets to people, make them happy. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> um, but when you've fallen in love with something so young, you can't let go of what it means to you. And you talked about listening to John Williams' music. I mean, that's all we listen to if you go on our spotify or if you go on our playlists we just sit there and we listen to hans zimmer and we listen to john williams and we listen to thomas newman and, and it just fills us up so we love filmmaking but above all we love movies and um i guess the tip the jumping point was being young wanting to do it and then leaving high school the, we, i had this a little bit more than xander but when we were at high school we faced a little bit of uh opposition i guess from teachers and some friends who are going you can't do that you know go and do so- this this is so important and i think like so i i faced very very similar things but i want you guys Interesting. to share your story um so please yeah dive more into that because that's important well yeah i mean we went to quite an, we were very lucky we went to quite an academic school we were very lucky to have that opportunity um but as such we were both art students at that school. We did fine art and the school didn't really know what to do with art students. <laughs> um, and so it was very encouraging of like, you know, be in the orchestras and be in the plays and do art. But then when it comes to choosing your career, don't do not do any of those things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Go and, go and be a doctor or go and be a lawyer <laughs> or something. And so when I turned up at my careers meeting with the headmaster, with the, the you know, the top guy and went, I want to, be a film director that's what I want to do and I don't want to go to university they were my parents were called in and said he's too young to understand what he's doing and he's throwing his education away and all this sort of stuff and when you're sort of 16 years old maybe it depends on the type of person you are but it made me really bloody minded about going I'm going to do this (laughs) and I am going to prove you wrong like I know I can do this our dad and our mom were very supportive, always have been. And they, our dad used to say to us, sadly, he's no longer with us. And that's made us even more driven because he was so encouraging. But he used to say to us, boys, somebody's got to make films. And if it's not you, who's it going to be? Somebody, when you're older, you're going to take your kids to the cinema and they're going to watch, you're going to watch movies made by somebody and it might as well be you. So when we were at school, I think we were we we must have been very uh irritating inconvenient <laughs> inconvenient kids Probably to deal with still are. yeah i'm sure we still are really um, <laughs> so we we used to be like no we're going to do this and we cut we burnt our bridges and went i'm not going to go to university we didn't do any of the applications we didn't go to any open days it was like no i'm not going and that's it and uh, i guess leaving having left school we faced obstacles 
Um, but I think perhaps the most informative obstacle I faced particularly was being told that I couldn't do it when I was younger. And that has driven me to basically, no matter what, prove those people wrong. Kind of, it's ironic really, isn't it? That um, a lack of b- belief and a lack of support can also drive you to, it can give you that drive and that yeah. burn. You can go, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna Screw show you. you that I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So when I was a freshman in high school, uh my first year i was not i was high in science but not high in in math so my guidance counselor's advice because he's a guidance counselor and he's supposed to advise you on your on your life he said you know what we're going to drop you down in science because you're you're not going to be able to catch up sophomore year and so i was just an absent-minded kid i i was just like oh it'll be easier okay fine and then the, (laughs) the first day of those classes i knew immediately i was like oh this was not the right idea so um, I was a musician, so jazz trumpeter. Um, was in the oh, marching wow. bands. The so so I, so the, the the fine arts aspect I totally get. Um, yeah. I originally wanted to be an architect because I love drawing. So, um, and now I'm podcasting. So, uh, it's it's amazing like the the different ways of just performing for me. That's kind of where it ends yeah. up being. Um, but yeah, to make a long story very 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 short, I ended up uh, with a math teacher that year that saw my talent and said. I'm going to give you the option to take both classes next year so you can catch up by 10 years senior. Oh, wow. I did that and it was amazing. Had a conflict with the the, the music program because uh, I had to drop one of their classes to take another math class and they did not like that. So I was kind of <laughs> only able to do a certain segment of it for, for a year so I could catch up. But that, that drove me to, I'm doing this for my career and I, I will always have the music. I will always have that, you know, it's, um, and I wanted to go to go that route um and then of course now i'm 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 producing content online so 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 much for that so <laughs> it's given me it's given me the the great background to do something like this to have kind of the technical stuff but also bring the um the artistic side of it um so i yeah, so I can been, relate. yeah it, it's, it's similar path i think i think everybody has their own taste of that at some point don't they where um i mean maybe not everybody yeah. i think if you've got a goal you do because you you um, expose yourself, don't you? If you tell people what you want to do, you go out, go out on a bit of a limb and you go, I'd like to do this. And then either some people go, oh, that's great. Or some people go, why would you want to do that? Or you're never going to be able to do that. But the worst thing there for you, I think, is that somebody just decided that you weren't capable. <laughs> they were like, no, we're going to drop you down here because oh. I don't think you that's 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 not a nice thing to experience. You know, it's like. Yeah. But but again, like just for you guys, like that, I and I, uh, the torment of of doing art or doing something you love, like there is there is that. Just to be to, to be funny about it, there there is a torment to it where you're like, like you guys are saying, like <laughs> I would kind of like to just have a job where it pays the bills and yeah. I'm happy, but but we can't we can't help ourselves. We have to we yeah. have to go through that. <laughs> we do, we do. There is something about creativity where it's in you. You know, you've got this ball in your chest and you want to express it and you have to get it out. I guess that's why some people dance and some people write poetry and some people, you know, um, play instruments. And our way of getting it out is making films. And, and we we often joke sometimes, we'll have some friends who are very, you know, they can play the piano and stuff. And we're like, oh, do you realize how jealous we are of you? Because if you want to express yourself, you just go, oh, I'm just gonna sit down at the piano and play. Yeah. And if I want to express myself, it's like, come back to me in five years when I've made a film, <laughs> you know? Um, 
<laughs> I, I'll get there eventually. But yeah, if you... The, the people who aren't creative, I think they just don't get that. They can't understand that it's it's not just like a whim or a hobby. It's it's an actual need to sort of connect and share and express. And, you know, we need the arts and we need we need young people to continue to... Or we need the sciences as well, perhaps more than ever. Um, well, there was, you know, there was a... a, a a, a long period of human history where the arts and the sciences were were combined you know they were in they were very much more of a venture yeah, yeah of a joint venture so they seem to have broken apart totally and i and i don't know when that was i'm starting to try and look back because and I, so we discussed this funnily enough on uh the scenes the scene snobs on their star trek week i was on their panel on monday oh, yeah, and that right. came up that came up and that was, was something that star trek did really really well and even just the, the world of star trek like Everyone was about it was combining the art and the science and like yeah. that whole science fiction. That's what it is. And yeah, yeah. there is a, a there is a lack of that with the power that science does have today. Like it's all they and I heard this said the other day and I think it's pretty good. But I, I it's changed into science meaning data, like just dry, mm. like meticulous, uh, no life data and that is so that's all that's just a small part of it and the reason why like people like einstein and copernicus and all these people they didn't do it because they were like i'm gonna solve this problem because i'm gonna you know and even elon musk he's not doing it because he he just wants to solve a problem they're doing it because of everything else that comes but behind it um and the things that influenced us to think about those things i mean most of the stuff in star trek that is in today's world you know interfaces and 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 computers and ai like those those are all influenced by that stuff yeah, and, for sure well they've all got mobile phones you know and they've got they've got they've got flip phones you know? um it, it's interesting because science what always sort of i you know if you if you're to imagine the electrons in an atom or imagine a you're literally imagining a black hole in order to solve science problems, you need an imagination. You are picturing, you're picturing a possibility. You're picturing a situation, or you're picturing like, I wonder what the backside of the moon might look like, or, you know. And again, not to double back, but when we did these documentaries about these Apollo programs, we talked to one guy, and he was in guidance and control. He was um, responsible for actually yeah the guidance and control in the command module and he was like well of course you know when you launch for the moon the moon moves so <laughs> you launch for where the moon's going to be and i was just there like of course of course <laughs> this like, is why i am not a rocket scientist you we're on the <laughs> this is why i make pretty pictures yeah. um and uh and and but that kind of understanding in a world before computer simulation and and, and oh, everyone's using remarkable. slide rules and doing it on chalkboards there's immense imagination there, you know. And, and I have such an advantage as as an engineer in this time compared to back then. I mean, they really had to have an imagination. I can at least get like a, a visual simulation or a three D model. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily now, like we're able to like get you know three D printed stuff that oh, we, can, yeah. we can you know decide and, and and do that. Like for me, if I was doing guidance, navigation, and control, I don't know if you guys have seen this in the demonstrations, but they'll do this. They'll put their three yeah, fingers like out. Access, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To 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 see, okay, what am I controlling here? And like that stuff is so important. And yeah, well, like orbital mechanics. You know, it's like oh, oh we've got to speed up to to go 
lower what's going on or you know um yeah. no go higher it's just or or i i remember we've watched things like obviously first man but then obviously watching actual documentaries of with the apollo astronauts and they all come from a you know an aviation background and they're going it's it's all reverse you know if we slow down in an aeroplane uh it's different to if you slow down in the mercury capsule it's all very you know and and, at that that pioneering era of going okay how are we going to dock in orbit i don't know let's figure that out incredible incredible science pre pre pre-computer simulation simulation that's just incredible wild and you guys you get some so something you guys said has just got my brain firing um problem solving requires imagination yeah like that's and that's something that's kind of kind of misinterpreted and i've just just noticed it like um and i I noticed this too with you know people will be like oh you're an aerospace engineer so you're you're a rocket scientist you just know everything it's like well no that's that's definitely not true well yes Uh, but you know i mean i'm okay if you think that that's fine oh the thing that drives people crazy is when they're like it's uh, like well it is rocket science it actually is drives people (laughs) insane has anyone ever said to Uh, you like you're not you're not a rocket who do you think you are you're not a rocket scientist you're like actually i am oh man but uh but yeah from from like it is science we've talked about this on the show before but like it is scientific to say i don't know and like that's Mm -hmm. that the whole process of science is developing a better understanding of what actually is and then you start at a point where you're trying to figure out what what do I even ask, right? That's like the first thing is like, what what am I even looking at? What am I even trying to solve? And then you go into, all right, let me refine my kind of image of what it is. Because even the best scientific information or, or even a scientific law, once a condition changes or the environment is a little off, just like guessing where the, where the moon is going to be, right? Like yeah. if for a comet comes by and tugs the moon just a little yeah. bit, I mean, you could be off by yeah, just that probably. one second. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a ton of a ton of craziness. Uh, it's it's trying to figure out chaos, and I think going back to Cosmos, you guys captured both the so uh, the one thing that I love that they were doing they were driving out to the field to do their science in their car, and there is a ton of downtime, and you guys yeah. captured that. But it also wasn't like, oh my god, like when is this gonna end? You know, it was like, okay, like, like I get, like they're they're up all night, they're doing this stuff, and and just being ready for that moment where you get something, um, that makes you go. Whoa. We, yeah, we did that, and I think some people watch the movie and they go, oh, it's so slow, you know, and or <laughs> or oh, it takes. They're just sitting listening, and we're going, well, yeah, that's astronomy you know yeah um but interestingly also we get people who go i i prefer the movie if you haven't seen it yet for those listening like the the second half speeds up lots more happens and we'll get people who say i I, the first half was a bit slow but it really gets going and other people who say the second half just gets going and i really loved the kind of uh, slower pace of the astronomy in the first half so we we definitely wanted to um try and capture a sense of what it's like to sit outside we've got a telescope and we, we stargaze you sit and you wait and you're waiting for some comets or your meters or, or your you, you know you're waiting for that perfect moment and when it comes it really means something and so when it comes to, when it came to cosmos we were like look let's let's not make it one of those convenient movies where they turn up and they set up and then boom suddenly that 
just out of nowhere something's occurred. Let's let people sink in a little bit. Let's get let them get familiar with the world that we're dealing with, the technology and the science. And then when something comes through and we're curious, let's pull it away for a little bit and then and then it will come back and when it does, people will feel like they've actually discovered something rather than just, you know, kind of I guess more of a traditional Hollywood route which would be stick some antenna up and boom, suddenly we've got something uh world changing, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just like another thing that I, I really enjoyed, um, and this is kind of a, a pet peeve I have for a lot of movie trailers today, uh, your trailer does not give away the whole movie. It does not give away the plot. It, it like it, it makes you go, oh, I want to watch this more, where I think there's there's there was such a, a crazy business model to just, you know, oh, just get it out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something we actually faced when we – were distributing the film we partnered with the distributor and they were like oh can you can you cut like uh we we made the trailer before we secured distribution to help us secure distribution and we wanted to cut a trailer that was actually reflective of the movie because we knew if we did sort of a snazzier sexier trailer which is the trend um people would then maybe watch cosmos and go well that's not what i was promised and and then you build a bit of bad blood towards the movie and that you see that even happen with big Hollywood movies. They'll they 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 have a movie on their hands, but they want to make the most out of it, so they market it in a certain way. So we were very fixed on making the trailer accurate to the film. And when we were with our distributor, they said, "Can you make this flashier, shorter trailer?" And and we tried, but we went back to them and said no because we would rather have people watch the trailer. And we would rather have people who watch the trailer and get turned off by it and go, yeah. that doesn't look like my kind of movie, and then just not watch it and then not hate on it online and go, oh, that was rubbish. We'd rather have people watch it and go, that is for me or isn't for me, rather than trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and and try and grab a huge audience, you know? Yeah, and we and we hate those trailers as well that give absolutely everything. Yeah. <laughs> you think, well, Some, I've watched it. Sometimes we're really hyped for a movie and we'll just not watch the trailers at all and we'll go into the cinema just going like, oh, I, I saw the teaser trailer and that's it. You know, I wonder what's going to happen. But we, we, we do love getting excited about movies, so that can be quite a challenge <laughs> to just skip the trailers, you know? But, um, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, 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 stay yeah, away. Stay <laughs> off the internet. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I just that was great. I, I'm glad you guys did that and stuck to your guns because uh, it made for for the, the, the right move in my opinion. Um, let, let's talk about some of the the challenges that uh, you guys ran up to doing the movie. So obviously low budget. Um, mm -hmm. What 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 are some of the big things that came out that you just didn't see coming and you had to deal in the moment? Um, I guess I mean you kind of touched on it earlier where problem solving requires creative thinking and there was a lot of that in cosmos where there's a there's a film director called robert rodriguez who some some people would have heard of some people won't but he's made films like sin city and um, spy kids and you know he's kind of quite a cool rock and roll director actually broke the mold um with, with his first film but he talks about the money hose and he says in the big league the problems are washed away with the money hose and creative solutions aren't found and he tries to empower independent filmmakers and say just because you don't have the resources of Hollywood doesn't mean you actually can't make a good film or maybe even a better film because you are forced to come up with creative solutions. So with Cosmos, we had to come up with things like, you know, how do we hold an audience's attention inside a car for 70% of the movie? Creatively, that's a challenge. If you shoot it in a way that's boring or not engaging, 
I mean, I'm sure some people who are listening who haven't seen the film would be like, wow, that that does sound like a boring film. Um, <laughs> 70% so, of, so you do have car. to, you know, how do you make that engaging? How do you, how do you um, evoke emotion in an audience? How do you keep them hooked? Things like that, really. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, um, technical challenges. I was going to say something then, because you were talking about uh, Rodriguez. And I can't remember what it was. Um Oh yeah, I was going to say that you see, you do actually see with directors when they, they they move from independent movies and they step up to kind of the big league, as it were. You see, you see some of that creativity and that ingenuity disappear because suddenly, when they encounter these problems, like Elliot said, they they're not um, forced to c- come up with a solution. They're not forced to come up with a, a creative alternative, which often, which we, you know, we'll know from the sciences and also from the arts that. When you're challenged to reapproach something, you often come up with a better technique, a better route, a better idea. Um, it's not always a bad thing to have restrictions, and we talk about this a lot as well. Um, that it's easy, I think, to to go well. You know, we don't have a budget to make this movie. We're really um, kind of constricted and restrained with what what's possible with it. Is that stifling? Um, and actually, we believe that the opposite. I think when you have all the options available to you and the sky is the limit that's pretty paralyzing you know you can do anything do anything tell any story in the world go anything you can imagine we can make it happen that's quite uh, that's hard right because suddenly this the sky is the limit but when you say we've got we're going to tell a story about three astronomers in a car and we have to make it entertaining and we have to make the audience connect with the characters and make sure they don't switch off and all this stuff you've got the you've got this box and and you work within that box and and actually i think that's very creatively um inspiring and compelling to to have those limitations i think it pushes you i i yeah i agree and and so for me for for this podcast that was a big moment for me was finally deciding you know i had so many ideas for what this could have been and and i mean the first three years of me doing this was definitely a lot of shooting in the air and saying, oh, does this work? Does this work? <laughs> um, but it wasn't until I started really c- communicating and, and getting in touch with the people who were actually listening and friends and, and, and kind of just being like, what are you looking for? Mm. Um, that's that's where my focus kind of got a lot better. And then, and then just like you said, I was able to focus on more things. I was trying to build this big, complicated, you know, super technical podcast that was like an hour and a half, three hours. Who's going to listen to that? So um, when I focused on, okay, people only, people are listening in the car. So what's yeah, the, yeah. what's the length of, you know, a drive? So let's, let's focus there. Let's figure out how to design something that works for that. And then it was time. It was like, okay, I still got to work a job. So you know, I've got school loans to pay off. So let's, let's, uh, let's, figure out how to do this so that it fits my life. So I'm not ruining everything else around it, you know, Um, just with my, you know, like you said, the ball on your chest, like I got to do this. Like I I have to do this weekly. It's good for me. Uh, How do I make this work and and not make everyone else miserable? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's that's what it's about. And, and, And I think once you, it's, it feels like there's a weight off your shoulders. Once you establish those parameters, you go, okay, I can do this. Like I can do this really well because I've laid that out and now I can commit to making it the best it can be rather than, well, I could have 20 podcasts and they could all be about, you know, where, where, where do I stop and how long, you know, so many things to consider. So yeah, I, um, I think sometimes those laying that out can be a, a great thing for creativity. Now, 
I, I've noticed this. I'm not sure uh, if you guys have, but given everything that's going on with today's world, I mean, obviously, I, we see it in the U.S. making a movie today, especially the old way, with all that yeah. money. I mean, you can make all that money, but people are not caring as much about the money as more as am, am I going to be safe doing this? Yeah. Um, and so that's going to require even more money to do so. I think you guys are suited. You guys are positioned very well for the future of how things are going to change. Um, you guys were posting online and putting out content. Um, I, I saw some videos of you with the with the cast during filming and, and, and really getting in touch with the audience and doing that on a minimalist budget. I think that puts you guys in a really good position for whatever is going to come in the next two years, five years, ten years. Um, do you guys do you guys feel that with what you guys had to go through? Yeah, I'm. I'm really glad you say that. Actually, like, it's good to hear it from a really smart person. You know, <laughs> like someone who's like weighing up and, and observing and going, like, the world is changing. You know, because you talk to some people, you talk to some other filmmakers, and they just they kind of hand wave the problems that we're facing at the moment with uh, COVID, for you know, being the, the major one. Um, they go, well, you know, it it will go when it and that'll be. We'll just carry on as as is, and 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 we'll move forwards. And and actually. Um, we're trying to just constantly keep an eye out on the horizon and go, what's actually most likely here? How is the industry going to evolve and adapt to this? How long might COVID exist and be around? Um, and how will that shape the way movies are made? And, and what we're trying to do, we had plans to get out to Los Angeles and um, we've got connections over there that we've made because of Cosmos. And uh, we it was all very exciting and we were going to be talking to some big players and all that stuff. And obviously that's, that's stopped because of uh, COVID, but we're still doing things like Zoom calls and conference calls. But we're we're trying to just keep an eye on how how the industry is going to shift, and 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 what we're doing is we are also in parallel. We're writing a story, we're writing a script that we could go off and we could get some funding for in the UK, and we could produce with fairly minimal resources. We're not going to do it the same way that we made Cosmos. We're going to raise a budget and we're going to work with a team and all that but we do feel like we're in a position where we can we can deliver a movie um that may have a fairly small team behind it but it can feel it can feel like more it can feel bigger we can make the most of the resources we have available and so yeah the the goal at the moment is to make a kind of covid friendly production where hollywood's dealing with hundreds and hundreds of people and you know making that safe is incredibly expensive and challenging but if we make a movie with say 10 people that's something that you can handle the, the interesting thing that we we're sort of sitting back in the safety of our own home looking at is like hollywood for example is the industry that we are paying most well a lot of attention to their focus at the moment from the outside at least appears to be how can we make these big budget movies production safe you know we can we can all wear masks and we can all have a daily test and and there are two or three big productions on in the UK at the moment. Hollywood movies come over and they make made here. And they've had like this stop, start, stop, start situation where they've gone back to production three days. Someone on the cruise tested positive and everyone shut down again. And we feel like the industry is going this blunt force. Well, we can make movies in this world and, and they're not wrong. But the thing that Xander and I can't quite wrap our head around is the, the big big movies the 200 million the 250 million dollar movies they are only to our understanding at least you know they are <laughs> only economically viable with the theatrical release right 
So the, the question surely is not can we make these movies, but how the hell are we going to get people into the cinemas on the number, uh, the scale we need them to be to make movies theatrically viable? Because the Hollywood model is let's spend $200 million on a big tentpole movie. Let's spend a lot of money, maybe 100 sometimes more on marketing. And then the cinema takes up to half so you're, you're looking at a lot of money to even break even. And traditionally, that's only happened when people have flooded to the cinemas. So we're sitting here going, do they know something we don't? Because until we can all be crammed to the rafters again in theatres, I don't know how they're going to make money off these big movies. So yeah, it feels to me like there's an iceberg ahead and they're just they're going straight towards it, hoping it will just drift out the way, you know, rather than... Rather than actually going, this could be a complete shift in the way that movies are made. Like, how? what's the new way of distribution? What's Smaller the new, movies is the what's answer. What's the new route? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I hear you guys, and I think that's the right way to think of it. I, I think to underestimate how much this has changed. I mean, this has changed my whole, uh, and I'm sure it has you, my whole life. My whole, like, I, I, I joke that I have, like, a human quota now, that I need to, like, go out and, like, talk to yeah. a certain amount of people every week yeah. just to stay sane. Like, I, like that alone is different um masks i think are going to be a new fashion for god knows how many years um so yeah i've i've always, i've taken the approach since the beginning of adjust to this because it, it's mm. it's everything has changed i mean the economies yeah. have been changed um one of the things i am noticing that's a little different i'm not seeing the movie theaters get filled up or anything like that but i am seeing drive-in theaters outdoor yeah. theaters starting to work i know over here in the states we've got um, all the stand-up uh, comedians are doing those because it's the only place that they can actually go and do a show. So, um, and, and they're getting traction. I mean, over here in Massachusetts and Cape Cod, there's there's one where we're having comedians come out. They've got shows, and I'm, that it's it's funny to think we're going back to old technology. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like it. I, I'm not opposed yeah. to it. No, we've seen we've seen uh, a lot of the kind of press coming out from the US for the drive-ins and ha and how they're doing quite well out there. We don't really have drive-ins here, but we have they kind of set up temporary ones, pop-up ones. Uh, pop ones here and there. And usually, it's something we do in the summer because people, you know the weather's not great. You can drive in somewhere and it's raining. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see the movie. Put the windscreen wipers on. Um, but yeah, it, it it is fascinating to think about how how industries will shift and change and and. It's an uncertain time for a lot of people, um, but equally at the same time, disruption can be this moment that just reinvigorates whole industries because suddenly there's a new requirement and a new way to do things. And, and we keep saying that empires during this time, empires are going to crumble and empires are going to form and new things are going to happen because of this experience. So I think always trying to have that positive slant on it where possible because obviously there's a lot of negativity surrounding it and, and a lot of people are having a terrible experience but um if you can try and find i guess that, that I guess. creative opportunity within it then then you can keep yourself going keep yourself sane you know and keep, <laughs> keep going moving forwards yeah i hear you i think it's the right way to approach this problem because that's what it is it's it's a giant problem and there are there is a lot of opportunity, even though everything sometimes can feel like it's completely hopeless, but there is really a lot of opportunity. And I think you guys being agile enough and small enough to move to the change. Um, I, I like the analogy of big 
companies, big whatever it is, even countries being a, a kind of like an aircraft carrier does yeah. not move very easily. Yeah. Um, and and I think we're in the, in the same boat. We're a little little you know sport boats, you know, and we're, skis, we're able to do yeah, a, yeah jet skis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's more accurate. <laughs> so we're able to make the turns really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where yeah, the advantage is now. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of freedom in that um, in being able to be flexible and 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 being open minded and moving with the change. Because if you don't, you know, you get left behind, don't you? Right. Um, so uh, first of all, thank you guys so much for coming on. This this has been uh, absolutely awesome, and I look forward to hopefully in the future catching back up to see where you guys are at uh, for for this next step. And that's kind of uh, my my next question for you guys. Like, what what is the next step for you guys? I think we touched on it a little bit, but yeah. Well, uh, as it currently stands, um, what it looks like we're going to pursue is um, a step up from Cosmos that we can independently control ourselves, independently produce. Um, you know, from a creative point of view, there are advantages there as well. Not just the opportunity, but you can make the story you want to make and edit it the way you want to make it. Um, so it looks like we're going to pursue that. Uh, another science fiction, it, uh, we're, we're pleased to say, because yeah. uh, we just love it. And um, and yeah, um, so we're in the writing stage. We're halfway through the script and we're looking to see if we can put that together, you know, maybe shoot something next year um, and try and do it a little bit faster than five years. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. hundred <laughs> um, percent. But yeah, there's, we're quite excited. So it's, yeah, it's, we'll see. It's all about what we were saying just now, where it's about keeping the open mind and, and, and looking for the opportunities. Thanks again, guys. Any any last words for the folks out there? Um, final words, just go out and look at the night sky. It's a, just a beautiful thing. You can take it for granted and it's a wonderful thing. It's always there. Um, so yeah, if you've got a moment, just go and have a look at the stars. And of course, make sure to yeah, make sure to check out uh, Cosmos. Uh, you can go to eleanderpictures.co.uk if you want to check out all the different uh, documentaries and and films that they've put out there. Um, again, where where can they? Pretty much anywhere they can find videos, right? For yeah, yeah. Cosmosmovieofficial.com. Uh, you'll find all the information on there. We've got a, a making of short film there like a 10 minute thing to show you how we made it which is a bit crazy and quite funny to watch because it's so ridiculous uh and there's trailers and posters and there's the script you can read for free and all sorts of stuff on there so but we're on we're on twitter we're on facebook and we're on instagram if you just look up elliot and xander or eliander pictures or cosmos we'll probably pop up and if you want to reach out we endeavor to reply to everybody that gets in touch with us we're very humbled that anyone would want to so <laughs> you know if, if people drop us a message we'll say hi and uh you know connect if you if you fancy it awesome again thanks again everybody uh it was a pleasure to have elliot and Zaner on the show um check out all their stuff as always spread love and spread science and uh be good to each other live long and prosper see see you next time for another episode of today in space